Hi mums, welcome to the Confident Mum podcast with your host Olga Uju. The aim of the Confident Mum podcast is to inspire mums to take the action necessary to fulfil their personal and or career goals. The podcast guests are mums who I believe are crushing it, whether it's in business or life in general. And the listeners are typically mums who want to know, well, how does she do it? The podcast also includes relevant discussions with industry experts on motherhood topics, including postpartum, breastfeeding, baby sleep, allergies, and so much more. The podcast features interviews with interesting, normal, everyday mums like yourself from across the globe. So subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Please also share the episodes because the information on here is definitely going to be worth sharing. And lastly, please rate and review the podcast so more mums can find it. Thank you for tuning in and I look forward to seeing you on future episodes. Hi mums, welcome back to the Confident Mum podcast and today's episode, which is part two of our postpartum series. It's a very informative episode, so please enjoy, take notes, and I'll see you on the next one. Okay, hi mums, welcome back to the Confident Mum. On today's episode, we have Clarice, who is a registered nurse, health visitor, and the founder of an amazing brand, Bump to Tots. So before we get into more about Clarice I just wanted to kind of give a context as to why I've invited her on and what it is I'm hoping to gain from her knowledge today for you and for myself so I'm about to embark on my fourth postpartum journey as I anticipate baby number four and it got me thinking when I was pregnant with my first or when I had my first child how much I didn't know about the postpartum period And honestly, to be honest, as a seasoned mum, I still feel like there are things that I literally still am unaware of or I've forgotten or I just, you know, I just want to be more prepared, especially pertaining to the fourth trimester, which is the term that has been coined for the three months or so after you give birth. So we're going to look into that with much detail with our lovely guest today. And I've also got some questions from some of the Confident Mum listeners that hopefully if we don't cover, I'll be able to ask Clarice directly. So without further ado, <laughs> let's introduce our guest. So hi, Clarice. Hi, Olga, how are you? I'm great, thank you. Uh, thanks for coming on today. Okay. And if you just want to please introduce yourself and just tell us a bit more about you. As you nicely explained, I'm a registered nurse, so I'm trained in the adult field and then decided that actually my passion sort of lies within public health and sort of working on the wards previously just sort of thinking you know how does one actually get to this point sort of thing and so that's when I did further studying to become a health visitor also known um, as a specialist community public health nurse I've been working in that role for a few years now Um, and then as you said decided to sort of venture out as well into creating bump to tots amazing and we'll get into bump to tots the brand but just in a nutshell what what is it and what does it cover so bump to tots really is sort of an advice support information network that is there to sort of empower parents but especially mothers and just to really give unfiltered advice really just to help them particularly throughout sort of the last sort of trimesters of their pregnancy um, mm-hmm. and I'd say our area of expertise is you know within the fourth trimester so that postnatal period and beyond. 
brilliant. So the postpartum and postnatal period, if you can just confirm or give your own kind of general overview about what exactly the postpartum period is. So postpartum period can be viewed as the, the period after baby is born. And we sort of, you know, different researchers and so on can it can vary in length um, in that sense. But mm -hmm. we look to it generally sort of being after the birth to a year of baby being here. And it's such a broad umbrella and it can cover so much. And part of the Confident Mum podcast is to one interview mums that are kind of doing well as mothers and running businesses and in their personal life. And then the other side of it is to bring attention to postpartum, postnatal concerns pertaining to breastfeeding, weaning. And today we're talking about the fourth trimester because there is just so much that we just don't have enough information about or we may have just just we just don't know where to look. And I've, I've got thinking again this year in particular, with it being COVID and the uncertain times that we're in, I already felt lost during my other pregnancies mm. and the postpartum phase. And I can't imagine what new mums are experiencing or feeling now. Mm -hmm. Why, in your opinion, again, is this, do we need to have a kind of a particular focus or interest in the fourth trimester? And how long is that period, typically? So I think the issue that, you know, I normally discuss with, you know, the mums that I work with and also, you know, mothers that I've met on Bumped Tots is that obviously there needs to be a lot of preparation with regards to labour and so on. But I think, you know, having said that, that's where the, the fourth trimester sort of gets missed. Um, and I'm of the view that, of course, labour is important. But I think as well, you're sort of reassured in the fact that you will have professionals there with you, whether it is, you know, a hospital birth or a home birth, there will still be, you know, a midwife there or, or you know, medical professional with you. Whereas, you know, when we talk about the fourth trimester, that's you, your partner, you know, and the baby. And there's lots of things that obviously go on that, you know, we're not saying that you're going to know everything, you know, every day is, is going to be a sort of a learning process. But I think if more light is shed on that sort of, period after it sort of reduces maybe some anxiety reduces, reduces some of the expectations and pressures that you know parents can put on themselves with regards to the fourth trimester itself um you know it's an informal term it's not necessarily a clinical no. term but the same way we look at trimesters being three months each the fourth trimester is sort of informally used to describe the three months after birth where you know baby is adjusting to the world and you know parents are adjusting to having a newborn as well so it's about the three month period and I know that in each time I've had a baby those first 12 weeks post natally I would say mm -hmm. it's just been very uncertain from a physical social and emotional perspective it isn't just my concerns about the baby perhaps it's also been about what's going on with my body you know in terms of recovery mm -hmm. and things like that but what, in terms of the biggest concern is I'm trying to work out I guess how do we differentiate between someone that has baby blues which is very normal no matter how happy you are about your baby you might just feel first couple of weeks whether you're struggling breastfeeding or you're just getting used to being a mum because it is mm -hmm. a big deal but how do we differentiate between postnatal blues and actually this is getting you know we might be going down the postnatal depression route yeah what are the traits of either either of them and what can we look out for yeah so starting with the baby blues so that's normally used to describe or denote feelings of you know being tearful but you might also you know mothers might also feel that they're irritable quite irrational you know very emotional even about things that might be you know considered you know small to them normally 
or even feelings of, you know, being anxious or underconfident with, with regards to how you, you know, look after your baby. But, you know, with regards to that, it is more, obviously it's an emotional thing, but we can also include a physical element whereby, you know, obviously there's, you're exhausted from the labour, which is which is obviously a key factor in it. And then huge. exactly. Um, and then obviously, you know, your pregnancy hormones, we, we know that it can tend to drop between day three to ten after giving birth. And this, you know, coincidentally is the, the same period that your milk production hormones are coming in. So that double whammy of, you know, hormonal Oh, and you've yeah. got a baby to look after. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that <laughs> Um, that big hormonal change, um, yeah, exactly, can can leave you feeling like that. Whereas, you know, with you know postnatal depression and so on, we we kind of start to characterise that if you know that tearful sort of feelings have have sort of lasted more than two weeks, if you like, and you know, unlike you know baby blues, it's not something that yeah goes away on its own so it's something that obviously you know needs to be addressed and that can be a vulnerable you know stage for any parent but yeah so we, we're looking for postnatal depression we're, we're seeing sort of things those sort of traits of tearfulness feeling low for more than two weeks and also maybe it carrying on to things like mother or, or even father to be fair not having any pleasure in doing things and yeah, there's obviously, you know, we can obviously get into sort of other physical things as well. But but that's, I'd say, the, the clear distinction of lasting more than two weeks and also the added element of sort of not, not taking pleasure in, in doing things or not necessarily wanting to get up, which obviously can affect daily living. Of course. And I'm going to come back to this point. But before I do, how can family members and or friends really support and provide value to the mum during the fourth trimester. And even, I guess, it's changed a lot in the last year. That's the thing. Yeah, so how, you know, how would it typically, how would it have worked and how how has it changed? And mm, Yeah, so I recently actually did a post of, uh, about this just with regards to, you know, ways that, you know, family, friends can provide support um, to a couple with a new baby. So just sort of going through that, you know, with regards to breaking it down, practical household help so as I said this is something probably you know all of them would be a bit more you know easier per se to conduct prior to COVID however you know if we are looking at family situations if they have formed a support bubble with either parents or or so on these are kind of things that can sort of help with regards to that so practical household help obviously with the addition of a newborn Many other duties can be difficult to manage. Mothers especially can feel sort of overwhelmed having to juggle, you know, various responsibilities. So stuff like helping out with the practical side of things, of the household, can really help. And I've sort of done little pointers such as, you know, the washing up, loading the dishwasher, bins out, even if it, you know, little things. So we mean practical, we mean rolling up your sleeves and literally doing practical. Exactly, exactly. And like things like neighbours where you don't have to necessarily come into the home, sort of pulling out the bins out. These are all little things that, you know, because we know that baby brain and things is a, is a real thing. You have a lot of things going on. Obviously, the, the, the lack of sleep is is, a, is another point to mm. consider. Um, so things that obviously are practical, you know, are, are very helpful as well. I also sort of talk about older child assistance. So again, as, as you may have experienced yourself, just because yes. having a newborn, you know, you, you've obviously got the older kids there and, and bless them, you know, just sort of trying to, to manage that. 
you know, sometimes as well can, can make parents feel guilty and so on. So with regards to that, you know, I talk about helping out with the school run, maybe they go to the same school or something. Again, where COVID is permitted, sort of taking the older child out, playing with their own child if, if they do have one, or even if it's just sitting in the home accompanying the older child. Um, while mum has a rest or is busy with the little one, so sort of helping out with homework, things like that. And and likewise, if we're talking of a more socially distanced kind of approach, if mum mm-hmm. um, wants to go out with for a walk, you know, she may have a toddler, she may obviously have a little one. I always say the more eyes, the better. So sort of, you know, accompanying her with that walk so that at least, you know, she, she doesn't feel completely sort of worried that she's sort of having to take, you know, a mobile toddler and obviously a, a new baby out. Exactly. Help is needed anyway. I'm just trying to think at the height of the pandemic this mm-hmm. year, if I had had a baby mm-hmm. and you're grateful enough for that kind of help, but how would someone be able to identify, whether it's a partner or a spouse or someone quite close to you, this emotional problem that could be turned into postnatal depression? What what advice would you give to someone that is supporting in the best way they can? Maybe they are doing those things and they're noticing that the mother is actually looking really down or, or showing symptoms of postnatal depression, would they question the mum first or how would they reach out to maybe a help visitor like yourself? What does that look like? I think, you know, the key to all of this is sort of the acknowledgement. So a part of it is difficult because it has to come from, you know, the person itself. However, obviously, oh, right, okay. close members, you know, can, can help them get there. Because at the end of the day, there's a layer of vulnerability there. Um, and obviously, you know, you'd hope that with your partner or, or family member or close friend that that sort of is able to come down a bit. You know, we're not saying it's easy. But as you said, with regards to checking on emotional well-being, whether that's, you know, partner or, or family and things like that, I think it's it's to not make assumptions and also to ask the questions. So, and I always say that open questions are better. So how are you feeling today? As opposed to, are you okay? It's very easy for a mum to be like, yeah, she's fine. Of course. But if you are able to sort of delve into that a bit more, how are you feeling today? What's made you feel like this? Is there anything I can do to help? It is more useful in sort of, you know, allowing mum to know that, there's a safe space for her. She's not being judged and, and it's about working through it, you know, together. And yeah, and obviously if, if, if partner, for example, is very concerned, you know, if you felt that the need to sort of contact the health visitors or the GP, mm-hmm. that is something that they could obviously do. But in my experience, you would always talk to mum first because, you know, she may feel a bit exposed by going to a third party without, you know, actually having the discussion you know herself and I think many mums feel like I've had a few people questioning and you know asking me and just say people naturally want to find out how the baby's doing and you know attention is on the baby and then you just kind of feel you know it would be nice if someone could ask about me and just you know put a word and I think sometimes you know and that could even they might not be depressed it could again be the blues Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it could just be the lack of focus on the mother or the lack of perceive perceive a lack of lack of interest definitely you know you're the milk machine you're feeding yeah, you're, doing, yeah. <laughs> you're everything but it's like oh how am I doing so I've definitely been there and I've had that brought up a lot of times so you know just for anyone that is supporting a new mum as well just like you said open-ended questions you know how are you feeling or just listening or letting her 
just talk um, mm-hmm. and listening and trying to divide some t- attention between her and the baby as well. It's definitely of help for people actually that don't have family or even mm-hmm. close friends. I remember when I first had, again, my first child, we moved into a new neighbourhood. Obviously, I have family, thankfully. Um, but they lived a bit further away um, and it was a brand new area. Fortunately, it wasn't in lockdown, so I could actually push the buggy out and meet up mums and mum groups, etc. But sometimes, you know, your family can be a bit overbearing or cultural or just you just feel that, you know, they're just overstepping boundaries. And I just wanted to find out what supports external support could be available and particularly during this covid and in certain period if you don't necessarily have family or friends yeah to out to, what advice would you give to mums in that situation yeah i think obviously it has been a very difficult time you know especially for um, parents expecting you know unfortunately obviously due to covid a lot of the mum and baby or parent infant groups that we would run sort of as a health um, visitor clinics you know have have had to close and I'm sure that's the same for many across the country however I do know that for health visitors for example in the borough that I work we've increased the amount that we call on duty so it just means that there's more sort of health visitors on the other side of the line just to respond to emails and calls and I know a lot of other boroughs as well including ours have sort of set up a web chat sort of thing um, you know, sometimes we know mum might not have the time to sit on the phone or her, her arms or hands might be busy or full. So sometimes like a text sort of service um, works out better in that way. Um, with regards to sort of other organisations, an external group that we always usually recommend is Mindful Mums. So they have okay. branches all over the country. And I know that the sort of borough that I work, they've been doing virtual sessions, which some right. have been for sort of general socialisation. And then some have been more focused, such as they're titling it things such as resilience in COVID, which obviously is quite specific and, and can provide mums with, you know, a sense of reassurance that, you know, there are other people sort of, you know, feeling, you know, anxious about this time, especially having a new baby. And, you know, Mindful Mums, it, it's um, sort of a uh, range of the um, charity mind. Um, so they obviously have a lot of focus with regards to promoting sort of a healthy emotional well-being and looking after our mental health. So I think Mindful Mums is definitely something that, you know, mothers in particular can check out because there are branches sort of all over the country. So just sort of identifying that and just seeing what, what they do. And again, it's sort of no pressure in the sense that you don't have to join every week. But if you feel that that particular week you would like to join in that, Zoom session, then that I know that that's been quite useful for some mothers. Brilliant. Okay, no, that's really, really useful. And I know a lot of it has turned to mobile and video and mm. online, which again is fine. It's something that we can at least, it's better than nothing. Yeah. And it's definitely a case where we just have to kind of look for the information. But I definitely feel that there is quite a lot online if you kind of dig through and um, you do look for it, you will find something. So with regards to the um, ideal scenario, just under normal circumstances, how would you advise a mum to come out of the blues a lot quicker? Is there any kind of day activities that she can incorporate or? In a normal sense, sort of pre-COVID. Honestly, the parent and infant. So a lot of things are run in what we call children's centres. So they're run by the boroughs, but you'll find that a lot of health visitors use those sort of um, buildings. But however, children's centres are their own sort of establishment in their own right. They're often run by the boroughs or the local government and they do so many things. They have 
baby sensory. There's lots of different calls, infant massage, those those kind of things. Have any of these things moved online as well, just out of interest, like massage classes and things like that? Yeah, so the borough that I work, we have moved to some things online. There's also a lot of private groups. I think it's just about doing the research. Obviously, it's difficult where every borough, you know, has it has the ability to run its own sort of schemes and things like that. So I think it's just about finding out what is going on in your borough. But every health visiting website should detail sort of a contact and things that are available, or even if it is just talking um, to a duty health visitor to let them know a bit more. But those are the general things that I know that happen nationwide, but specifically, obviously, every borough will, will differ slightly. Exactly. Oh, amazing. Again, I'm going back to this PND mm. situation because it is, I just think, have you seen an increase in during this COVID time or more people raising the alarm? Yeah. So, you know, we know that depression and anxiety are sort of the two most common postnatal mental health problem. And, you know, that can affect sort of, we normally say between 15 to 20 percent of women um, in the year after they give birth. And, and we have seen an increase in that just, you know, purely and understandably due to, yeah. you know, the, the, the unknown really. Um, and obviously the lack of, or should I say the increase of sort of isolation that we've had to do, obviously, from a health aspect, mm. which we know that is not always practical when, you know, you've got a new one and that's when you want to be socialising and, and things like that. So, so it has it has gone up from what I've seen. Yeah, God forbid, but if someone now thinks, you know what, I think I potentially have postnatal depressions, um, what is the crystal clear sign and mm-hmm. what 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 should they do, basically? Yeah, so when we think about PND and sort of the, the, the signs, so largely they can be categorised into about three or four different things. So we've got feelings, got behaviour, physical symptoms and then obviously you've got the sort of disturbing sort of thoughts quite an extreme which which can happen as well and obviously it's important to talk about so feelings um we talk about things like um sense of inadequacy feeling like you're unable to cope feeling guilty low sometimes as well having sort of obsessive fears so obviously we we know that we want to check on baby but sometimes you know if you feel that is getting more than just sort of you sort of having to assure yourself always having to check on baby things like that behavior we talk about you know being sort of unusually irritable being quite hostile maybe to your partner or family having difficulty in concentrating or making decisions physical symptoms you know that can actually it's funny that how that actually can manifest um, as physical symptoms things like panic attacks rapid heartbeat sweaty palms Things like headaches can actually come on um, during PND um, or loss of appetite or equally the other way, comfort eating. Um, and then, of course, you know, acknowledging the thoughts. So, you know, we talk about self-harm or, or suicidal thoughts, God forbid, but that's something that mm-hmm. you know, yeah. can happen as well. So, yeah, with, with regards to sort of how they can sort of address that, again, I'd say as hard as it is, the main thing is to sort of acknowledge it um, and and to speak to someone. It can feel really hard because, as I said, those feelings can make you feel vulnerable or open and, and it can make you feel judged, especially when you are, you know, you have a new baby, you already feel that in a way you have to prove yourself as, as a sort of good mother and, and things like that. But 
you know, as I said, it's so important to talk to someone just because, you know, PMD isn't something that usually gets better on its own. So like I said, health visitors, we're there to support you as much as we're there to sort of oversee baby's health and development. Um, we're there to support parental um, emotional well-being. So always getting in touch with someone. The way health visitors work is that, you know, if you're not assigned a regular health visitor, in a, in a case like that, um, you would be assigned sort of a regular health visitor just to help with things like continuity of care and so that you can build up that rapport and trust. Equally, you know, the six-week check, you know, that mothers and babies have with a GP, is it also a good time to raise any concerns? Um, try and get an appointment, you know, with a GP that you sort of feel comfortable with and trust. If at first you don't sort of see the right one, then you can always see to to ask to get someone else as well. Practical support, so maybe that is your partner or a close friend or family, sort of getting them to help you with regards to things like booking appointments or coming along for sort of moral support again where possible you know we know that a lot of sort of appointments it is now only sort of just um you know the client or the mother herself however if possible if if you can get that sort of support that's that will be helpful again baby classes postnatal groups whether it's virtual um it can be helpful to be around those who you know are going through a similar thing and also there's different things sort of online so i know that um there's a group called pmd and me so they're on Twitter um, and they do something called, basically it's hashtag PND Hour. So that's like an online support group um, that runs every Wednesday at 8pm on Twitter. So again, you know, it might not be for, for every mum, but again, um, for those yeah, who are on Twitter, it's just a range of, of things. But I'd say, you know, the main thing is to sort of share that with someone, you know, never feel that you have to go through this alone. Um, there are people there to just to, to support you, you know, in, in various ways. So yeah, that's that's what I'd sort of recommend. And would you say postnatal depression, in your experience, has been something that is more common during the fourth trimester? Just I've always been interested in. Yeah, so you know, it is again due to that you know reduction in hormones, that the adjusting to you know, this new lifestyle. I think I was speaking to um, a mother the other day and when you have a baby, you very much try to make out as if nothing much has changed. You're still the sort of same person and sort of thing. But actually, obviously, having a baby is, is life-changing. So it is just about, you know, not putting that pressure on yourselves. As I said, with regards to during the pregnancy, obviously these sort of feelings and thoughts can happen during pregnancy. That's what we normally class as um, sort of perinatal mental health. However, I think it becomes a bit more real because obviously just due to the fact that the baby's actually here, adjusting to obviously their schedule as well as sort of incorporate, incorporating that into yours. So yeah, we, we do obviously tend to see some of these things happen more after birth as opposed to during but like I said, you can obviously have some of these feelings during as well, which which you would address in the same way, um, just with regards to reaching out, you know, to your midwife is probably the main professional, you know, at that stage. And in terms of the long term consequences of undetected postnatal depression, is there anything that if it goes amiss or is undetected, is there any long term consequences that you feel could be avoided if it's something that's picked up earlier? You know, if it goes untreated, you know, the, obviously it is 
quite strong to say that, but you, you can obviously put yourself in, in, in danger and you could put you know those around you, whether it's your baby. We know that we have to look after ourselves in order to, to look after our, our children. So, you know, if left untreated, obviously, you know, consequences wise, you can obviously end up being quite ill yourself. So, so definitely just using the points of just getting, and, and as I said, I know I keep on talking about that acknowledgement, but it's just so no, easy, you know, it's just very easy to brush things. And I think that's where the issue is when you, when we know that when we keep on piling things, that's when things start to explode. Whereas if we sort of address things on a day by day, you know, or smaller intervals, we find that it's not, it, you know, it doesn't get too overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So that's really the sort of take home, which is to sort of you know, take it day as it comes and, and just acknowledge how you're feeling. It's fine that not every day is going to be on 100. That's absolutely fine. And that's normal. So, yeah, just acknowledging those facts as well. Uh, you know, that's just been so useful. We are on a, um, in a, a case now where we are having to do things virtually, but virtual support can actually be really supportive. And it's nice to know what's available and it's just keeping yourself in the mix of what's going on. And as you said, speaking out, it's only when you speak out that you can actually get the help that you need. So I'm definitely in support of those suggestions. And I wanted to just, you know, get back into what it is you do at Bumped to Tots. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the mission of your brand and how did it start? Our mission and our, our main goal is to sort of support women, their partners and family sort of the various stages and milestones you know that come with having a baby um and we and we look to do that by providing sort of um as i said evidence based unfiltered information um we're strong on sort of believing in encouragement um empowerment sort of building that confidence and you know the importance of continuity we know that this is something that unfortunately isn't always the case with a lot of um health visiting um, services following a corporate model but but yeah we we, we, we know the importance of continuity um, and yeah so we look to sort of provide advice in that sort of way um, and in a sort of unbiased and, and non-judgmental environment and how I started it so it actually started quite recently you know at the beginning of lockdown where everything was just sort of up in the air even you know with regards to work where we were just like <laughs> had to go, go with the times and, and things yeah. like that but, you know, there was understandably an increase in, in anxious parents due to the pandemic. Um, and I personally, you know, found myself sort of having to reply to the clients at work quite late into the evening and, and things like that. And, you know, maybe something that I shouldn't necessarily have been doing. But, you know, when you just see so much, yeah, you know, anxiety and you just want to, you know, that by at least acknowledging or, or giving them answer to their question can sort of reduce some of that anxiety you know I'm the just type of person I'm not gonna sort of watch and see someone sort of panic kind of thing so yeah but then I just start to think of it more that actually there needs to be a bit more of a flexible um service you know we know that unfortunately having a baby isn't confined to the hours of a nine to five day so you know that's when I start to look more about you know, creating bumped tots. So we're mainly based um, on Instagram just because, you know, I can put up sort of pictorials yeah. and just sort of information. And, and yeah, as I said, providing sort of um, different sort of levels of service just with regards to what um, parents or, or mothers might need. So, yeah, that was that was 
sort of the main reason for, for starting the brand. I don't know how I came across your page, but as soon as I did, I kind of had a really good scroll through. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, you know, some things I knew, obviously, like I said, it's not my first my first time at this but other things I was like I wish I saw a page like this when you know I went through it the first time and I'm literally now going to be glued in the postnatal and 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 all the information that you need you're it's very much geared towards once the baby has arrived which is Mm. definitely what's missing so I definitely feel that you're filling a gap in the market I'm going to be engaging and I would encourage anyone to and everyone to follow at bump to number two tots on Instagram Mm. and obviously reach out to you that way I guess they can also send you an email. Is there any other way that you would like people to contact you or reach out to you? Yeah, so we're currently in the process of sort of building um, a website where we can sort of put a bit Mm. more blogs type stuff out um, where where there needs to be, you know, a bit more detail and things. We're also thinking of starting like a group, don't know what platform yet, um, whether that's WhatsApp or something where sort of mothers can ask questions. But for now, you know, our DMs are always open. Or equally, yes, our emails at bump2tots at gmail.com. And just engaging, really, with, with the posts. Like, we want to create a rolling ball effect. You know, not only are we necessarily saying you can always ask us, but generally just with regards to the mothers that are on social media and, and, and things like that. Um, and just sort of creating the network within themselves because you know it is a small world sometimes we find that oh that person literally just lives down the road so so just you know using that sort of you know within that you know I feel like for example if we put an issue up about colic or or whatever and a mother says that you know she's she's had the experience of this or you know what worked for her and you know another mother seeing that that can be quite reassuring because you know as I said there's a lot of things that go on sort of with babies when they're small which are like what on earth is going on kind of thing yeah it, it can be quite reassuring to see that people once you engage in a chat you can find answers that you think oh my gosh I would have looked on google forever exactly. or I wouldn't have exactly. even crossed my mind that that could be the issue so it's always good to engage so I agree if you're on Instagram or social media definitely try and engage use hashtags and engage in posts and you'll come across pages such as bumps of tots are really really helpful and if they are adding value to you definitely leave a comment and help them to grow their brand and get in touch with them directly this is obviously called the confident mum so just you've raised some amazing points about postnatal groups and online online chats that mums can engage with but is there any other way that a mum can develop confidence within the fourth trimester is there any particular thing that really stands out or that you want to reiterate so for me confidence I'd say sort of given a top three I'd say for me confidence is sort of gained by you know knowing who you are and and being sure of yourself and I think that you know obviously as much as that can be a difficult time when you have a new baby and you feel that some of your you know your own sort of um, likes have sort of gone out the window sort of thing I'd say again we've been saying it all through that acknowledgement um, obviously very important Second thing to to also sort of accept, as I said, not every day is going to be perfect. There is no perfect parent. And third thing, just sort of taking things um, day by day, and also just for the for a mother to remember who she also was before having children. You know, I think we need to strip away the guilt that society places, especially our mothers. You know, for doing things that they used to love, whether it be you know mum's into her makeup, she's into her sports, singing, literally anything you know obviously where possible um, and when you feel up for it 
you know, going back to the things that, that you like doing it and, and incorporate incorporating that obviously into the new mum life because as you said, as I said, you know, you were a whole person. Um obviously before, you know, having the blessing that is a child. Um but I think it's important to remember that as well because I think that that's where confidence starts to can start to sort of decrease, you know, when, when you feel like who are who who are you and, and things like that. So so doing things that actually, you know, you knew that you enjoy doing any time, any day, um, I think actually really, really does help. And, and just factoring in that you don't have to completely say no to all these things just because you are a mother and just working working family with partners so that you are able to do those things as well. Oh, I 100% agree. And it is a journey. Not everyone gets to that state of mind really quickly. Definitely. But I think as we normalise it as mums, that we are mums, that we're trying to build something, another identity or just maintain some of the things that we enjoy prior to motherhood, it gives other mums permission to not feel so much mum guilt. Yeah. Feel so like, oh, I'm a mum now, so I can't do X, Y, and Z. And that's why the tagline of the podcast is, you know, the confident mum will decide that while her family is important, you know, so is she. And then that's where it begins. And she can make a decision that benefits her that, and that will ultimately benefit her family. Yeah. And I think that's so important. Mm-hmm. That was really useful. And so much information there that we need to get through. Like I said, we can't cover the whole of the postpartum period um, because there is just so much in there. But Bumps to Tots does offer really good highlights on different areas from weaning to breastfeeding and everything in between, as your slogan kind of says. Mm. So it's something that I would encourage all mums to engage with the post and engage with the post and engage with the brand. I just had a really interesting question from a mum and she was asking about contraception. Um, Is it really necessary because she's still breastfeeding? Mm. And she wanted to know how soon is it possible for a mum to get pregnant after giving birth and I found that so interesting yeah it is very interesting and it is obviously a good topic because you know despite what we may hear you know with regards to different sort of old wives tales and things like that breastfeeding you know unfortunately is not a contraception (laughs) (laughs) so it you know it's very important you know it's just mm-hmm. not you know obviously with regards to contraception even when you do go to the clinics everything is sort of a, a percentage rate so we have to look exactly. at breastfeeding in that mm-hmm. sort of in that sort of way with regards to although the reason why people do say that oh it's fine because you do have sort of elevated hormones in your body which makes the body think that you know you're pregnant already and things like that but as i said even with general contraception it you know it's not although we can get good rates it, it's never 100% so definitely that is something to bear in mind yeah and probably think about before we've given birth that's another thing exactly. that wasn't exactly talk to too much you know what kind of contraception would you will you be thinking about or considering once yeah. the baby's out so we talk about this normally so you know when you have a baby in the uk you know where where there is a health visiting service um we will talk about it at the six to eight week check and you also have one with the gp around that time which obviously they will talk with you about it as well um so that's something that we normally sort of definitely get mothers to start thinking about at this at the six to eight week period can be earlier than that if she wants the only contraception that wouldn't be suitable for breastfeeding mothers is the combined pill because of the estrogen it has in it but if mum's happy with taking the pill um there's the what we call mini pill which is the progesterone only or if she knows that you know maybe she's giving it a rest for a little while then obviously longer lasting methods, whether it's the implant or coil, 
and equally if, if it's something that actually she wants to review the injection is quite a good way to sort of maybe it's sort of free monthly and sort of going based off that so there's a lot to think about and that's probably another yeah. post for you if you haven't done one already yeah, yeah exactly that's another post for us as well we're gonna obviously write in an update in blogs so we just want to be informative and it's so interesting so the amount of things that we have to think about um is really there is a lot to think about a lot to digest and it is overwhelming so if you're a mum and you are feeling overwhelmed anxious you're not alone you're not you're not independent of these thoughts and you're not being negative or wrong for how you're feeling but just reach out try and engage if you can especially during these uncertain times with online forums and blogs and instagram posts and things like that and get in touch with clarice and bump two tots and myself at The Confident Mum. And if you want to discuss anything further or anything that we've discussed on this episode. And I will see you on the next one. So I just want to thank Clarice for her time. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, no problem at all. It's been really good talking to you. And who knows, I might need to invite you back on because it is a cool topic. <laughs> but who knows, we'll see. Yeah. Definitely. I'll have you back on. Brilliant. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Bye. Thank you again for tuning in. If this episode helped you in any way, please share so more mums can find the podcast and benefit from the information on today's show. Please also subscribe and review the podcast. It will be greatly appreciated and really keep me encouraged. Till the next episode, remember that you are the best mum for your children and I know you're doing an amazing job. So be kind and patient with yourselves. See you soon.